Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Grezzi. I'll be reading, I'll be playing some improvised horror stories this evening. And it's a special episode from the previous ones, which I'll get into uh, after the first story. But I'm just going to get this ball rolling. This one's called Premium Saltines versus Cheez-Its. Saltines. You see his marketing firm working on behalf of Premium Saltines. His job was to make sure that the marketing campaigns for the snack food was eye-catching and attention-grabbing enough for people to eat those sweet, delicious saltines. job working with the premium saltines client client eventually became harder as he was figuring out less in inventive ways to have the premium saltines appeal to other people people complained they were too stale not salty enough just like dried flour that you dip in things they didn't even really complement the flavors of other things so Lenny smoked that cigarette outside of his marketing firm's corporate office, pondering premium saltines, wondering how he can get those saltines to the tippy top. As he smoked this cigarette out in front, His other friend, Bruce, also came out, and he smoked a cigarette of his own. Oh, hey, Lenny, how's it going? And Lenny said, oh, hey, Bruce, uh, what's up? You see, Bruce was also in a marketing firm in the same corporate office, but his client was Cheez-Its. Now, Lenny knew that, pe- that Cheez-Its appealed to people more and premium saltines. But yeah, Lenny asked Bruce how his day was going, knowing that it was going much better than his. And then Bruce, Bruce said, oh, you know, just been pretty good so far, you know. Had a lot of luck with the, uh, the marketing campaign, you know, going with uh, Cheez-Its and whatnot, you know. They fit a lot of cheese in one cracker, you know. They gave me a lot to work with. And then Lenny said, yeah, I'll, I'll bet, he said with a Minor, ta- minor taste of scorn. 
Bruce wasn't at a better disposition than Lenny because his marketing strategy for Cheez-Its was more successful than the premium saltines marketing strategy. You see, Bruce wasn't someone that didn't filter his existence through his marketing firm work. It was just a role that he did for a decent paycheck. Whereas Lenny put all of his reasons for existence onto the marketing. Which anyone could tell him that it was a dangerous road spiritually. And Bruce would have told him that if he had any idea how obsessed Lenny was for getting premium saltines on the map. So they continue to chat, and Lenny's just like, oh yeah, you know, you know, cheese, it's a really great, you know, premium saltines, uh, not so much. And then Bruce was just like, well, they really, I usually eat them with ramen, you know? Lenny said, oh yeah? And Bruce said, yeah, whenever, the only, the only, really the only time I eat premium saltines is if I make myself some ramen, you know, cooking the meat and the vegetables and uh, using proper broth and all that. And then when I finish the platter, I just uh, have a short stack of saltines with me so I can uh, use the saltines to uh, dip into the ramen and then scoop out the noodles instead of using a utensil. And then Bruce said, yeah, it's as if, you know, Saltines are a utensil of their own. And then Lenny said, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. You're full of great ideas, Bruce. And Bruce said, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You got some good ones yourself. And then Lenny said, oh, yeah, right. I mean, the only thing I've really thought of is, you know, trying to fill the premium saltines with cheese, but uh, they wouldn't go go with that, you know. The saltine company I work for has a strict stance of not adding cheese to any of their baked goods. And then Bruce said, oh, well, that's okay, you know, saltines are still good. And then Lenny was just like, yeah, but are they really, though? And then Bruce just said, well, you know, I like them. I think they're okay, you know. Sometimes I make little cheese sandwiches with them, you know. And then Lenny said, huh. Seems like you use them for everything except for crackers. And then Bruce said, "Well, you know, it's just trying to trying to make the meal more enjoyable. You know, really, our jobs is just to, you know, show how our food can be uh, appealing to other people. You know." And then Lenny said, "Yeah, I guess." corner store across the street. I want to get a new pack. And Lenny said, yeah, all right. And upon entering, they could hear a microwave beeping from the outside, you know. Someone was cooking a zesty burrito and all that. So Bruce was getting his cigarettes. And Lenny was looking at the snacks. He saw the premium saltines next to the Cheez-Its. He 
bought a bag, pack of Cheez-Its and a pack of saltines. And then Bruce said, oh, you're gonna have some snacks? And then Lenny said, no, no, I'm gonna purchase both of these snacks for research. And then Bruce said, oh, well, don't they just give away uh, free saltines uh, in the firm? And then Lenny said, yeah, well, this it's just, it's more in the moment this way. You gotta, I gotta feel like a consumer when I eat this stuff. And Bruce said, yeah, yeah, I think maybe that's a little bit of overthinking it, but, you know, whatever works. So, uh, that evening... Lenny brought the saltines and Cheez-Its to his studio apartment. And then, uh, set some space up on the floor, and then just laid out all the crackers on it. Tried to analyze them, to figure it out. Now, the challenge wasn't figuring out why Cheez-Its, uh, tasted better than premium saltines. He knew why. They were so cheesy. His challenge was to make premium saltines more appealing than Cheez-Its. The ultimate challenge. Impossible. Impossible indeed. You know, he watched a uh, YouTube lecture. Not a YouTube lecture, but a lecture from someone who studied snack foods on YouTube. Not someone who went on YouTube claiming to know things. There's a big difference. But he watched this uh, lecture recording on YouTube, and he was talking about Cheez-Its, about snack foods. And he said that Cheez-Its find a way to take the common denominator of all cheese flavors, the sing singular unifying delicious cheese flavor, centralizes it, and puts it into one cracker. And Lenny thought about this, and he was like, damn it, he's right. Had the crackers, uh, both the cheeses and the premium saltines spread out all over the floor. He tried to experiment with them, tried to get into the mind of a child to figure out the appeal of saltines. He tried to make a little house of cards with the saltines, tried to nibble on, nibble on them so they could be jigsaw pieces. figure it out. He tried to make saltines seem sexy somehow, but it was a borderline impossible task. Tried to do different things with the saltines, you know. Tried to eat them as crumbs, but they weren't as good then. saltines in. He was like, well, that's okay, but people already know that you can eat it like that. He was just like, no, saltines, not only do they have to be sexy, but they have to appeal to the upcoming generation. The next generation must perceive saltines as the ultimate snacks food, snack food. Sexy, sexy saltines. <laughs> Oh god, sweet, sweet, sexy, premium saltines. 
super sexy hot saltines. Then he realized he was pleasuring himself to saltines. And that's when the idea struck him. So the next day, he goes to the office, uh, goes to his employer, who's already very frustrated about Lenny's work for the lack of trying to make saltines appeal to the youngsters, appeal to the hip crowd and all that. So he calls a meeting with uh, his boss, and he's just like, all right, what do you, uh, what do you got for me about these saltines? This is a, this a lost cause or what? And he said, oh, I know, I wouldn't call it a lost cause. And then his boss said, yeah, well, you know, our boss gave it to you because he didn't like you at all. And gave you the saltines duty because he knew you couldn't make them sexy. And then Lenny said, oh, I made them sexy. How about this? get in touch with uh, pornographic markets and then have them pose with the saltines. And then his boss is just like, what? And it's just like, yes, if we want to make saltines sexy, we have to attribute sexual acts to the saltines. We can advertise them in Playboy and so forth. And his boss is just like, yeah, well, is Playboy even a porn mag anymore? I don't know what they're doing these days, you know. Since Hugh Hefner died, no one really knows where that magazine's going. Are they rebranding, reinventing themselves? And then Lenny said, don't worry about Playboy, it's not about that. We just have to make Saltine sexy. And then his boss is just like, alright, well, I'll, uh, if you want to schedule a meeting about it, we can run it upstairs or something. said, Lenny, are you trying to make saltines sexy, sexy, or are you turned on by saltines? And then Lenny said, no, no, I'm not turned on by saltines. And Lenny said, well, it's okay if you are, you know, I don't want to kink shame you. But I'm not sure if your personal eroticism towards saltines could really apply uh, for this marketing campaign. You know, we can try to work with you and see if we can switch you to a different client or something so you can have a fresh set of eyes on something. And then Lenny's like, no, no, I must stick with the saltines. They are the best cracker on earth. And then the boss said, well, you just said they were really, you know, they weren't so great and hard to work with. And then Lenny was just like, well, I didn't quite say that, you know. And then the boss said, when you first, when you were first given saltines as the client, you said they always tasted stale, they didn't have flavor, and they were never salty enough. They're not like Ritz, they're not like Cheez-Its. You said it was a lost cause to make saltines appeal to anyone of this century. And then Lenny said, no, no, but I love Cheez-Its. I mean, saltines. And his boss said, you're Cheez-Its, I don't understand. And then Lenny said, I gotta go, I gotta go. So he just leaves the office building. He storms out, he uh, tries to get lunch uh, 
truck and he just like sits on the bench and contemplates. And he's just like, oh, what's going on? I'm just having all these cracker obsessions for some reason. You know, I've grown this obsession with saltines. And Cheez-Its, which I think Cheez-Its are okay, but you know, I'm not even, I don't even eat snacks that often, so I'm just doing this for work, I don't understand. He felt his spiritual center was out of whack, obsessing over these crackers. out of ideas, he uh, calls Bruce. And then Bruce said, hey, are you outside smoking right now? And then Lenny said, no, no, I'm just uh, really out of whack, you know, thinking about this, uh, this saltine marketing campaign and, you know, all these uh, Cheez-Its and crackers and square-shaped snack foods and freaking out about it. I'm obsessing over it. It's consuming all of my thoughts. And I don't know what, I, you know, I don't know what to do about it. And then Bruce is just like, alright, calm down, take a breath, you know. I don't have a long to chat on the phone. But it sounds like you're really stressing out about making saltines uh, hip or sexy or trying to at least appeal to any sort of food market. And he said, yeah, yeah, I guess that's what it is. So then Bruce said, well, how about, you know, since you're being obsessed with saltines, why don't you just figure out what you're obsessed about them? Figure out why you're obsessed and use that obsession as a marketing tool. Try to awaken that obsession of saltines and other people. He's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, that can, uh, that can work, that can work. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. Actually, you know what, I got another idea. So, Lenny then drives to the saltine plant on the outskirts of the city. He goes to see the boss there, the CEO, and the foreman. Uh, snacker uh, the uh, cracker factory. And then Lenny meets both of them, and the CEO's just like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And then uh, Lenny's just like, yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, you might have met me, we've, we've talked on the phone before, you know, I'm uh, working with a marketing firm to try to make saltines sexy, and the CEO's just like, saltines aren't very sexy, and the foreman's just like, no, no. And Lenny's just like, alright, well anyway, I'm trying to, you know, make them appeal to the next generation, you know. They should be the snack food, the way animal, animal crackers used to be. And the CEO's just like, alright, that's, you know, that's good, and that's what we paid you for. And then Lenny said, yeah, but, you know, I need to, I need to get to know the crackers very well. I need to know these snacks. And the CEO said, I don't know what you mean. Foreman steps forward, and he's just like, oh, I think I kind of know what you mean. Here, I got something to show you. You can come too. 
he said to the CEO. So the CEO and the foreman and Lenny are all walking down a long hallway full of these tall portraits of previous owners of the uh, Premium Saltines uh, company. It's one company called Premium Saltines. They sell saltines. They sell saltines. That's a tongue twister. Now's not the time for that. Anyway, so they're walking down the hallway. And they reach the door. And the foreman opens it. And it's very, it's a very dusty room with uh, file cabinets and uh, shelves and papers and whatnot. And then the CEO said, oh, it's this room. And then he said, oh, what do you mean? And then the foreman said, well, you know how Saltine started, don't you? And then uh, Lenny said, no, no, I don't. And then the foreman said, well, I'll show you this newspaper article right here about a Saltine factory getting shut down, but I'll explain it to you. still have some uh, snake oil salesmen roaming the countryside trying to sell their BS for some coin, but they're also hypnotists as well. And some of them were phony. Some of them uh, tapped into early versions of how we see hypnotism in psychology. And even in graphic design and advertisements as well. But some of them figured it out found a way to hypnotize people on a consistent basis. And it can make anyone fall for the saltines. And Lenny said, what did you say? And then the foreman said, you're right. You heard me right. In this newspaper article I'm holding here, take a look at the shape that the hypnotist is using to hypnotize people. And he looked at it, and it was a square with uh, several holes in it and a couple of bumps on it, and some, uh, you know, some markings on it that could have looked like salt. The shape he was using to hypnotize people had a striking resemblance to the saltines. And then he said, "No, that's that's ridiculous." You know, when I thought was like circular or like a spiral or whatnot and the foreman said no no these squares with little dots in them are the most effective way to hypnotize people that's probably why you're obsessed obsessed with saltines right now coming to the factory trying to figure them out there's nothing to figure out about saltines but Lenny said no no it's impossible said, yeah, that's it's not impossible. In fact, think about Cheez-Its, you know. They have the square, but the what one dot on them. And Lenny said, but I thought those little holes were to just to poke at the crackers so that air could be released from them as they're being baked. And then the foreman laughed, ha ha ha, lies and deceit. No, no. It's a deliberate uh, marketing design by cracker manufacturers for 
you know, for decades, if not centuries. And then Lenny said, but there's one thing that doesn't make sense. If that's true about premium saltines, how come nobody likes them? And the foreman laughed again, and he said, uh, have you ever had a premium saltine? And then the foreman said, I'll tell you what. So he goes into his pocket and had like a little pack of saltines, unpackages them, and he says, here, eat this with your eyes closed. Lenny takes a bite, and he's just like, oh, yuck, what is that? He's like, it's the saltines. And then Lenny said, yeah, but they seem like they taste a lot worse. And then the foreman said, exactly, that's how we stay in business. We got the shape down to hypnotize people just enough so they eat them sometimes with uh, soup or cheese or, you know, whatever. saltines uh, appeal to the masses is to just make them taste better. And then the foreman said, alright, I think you gotta, I think it's time for you to leave. So then Lenny is escorted uh, out of the factory, learning not what he expected to learn, but still learn enough about the duty at hand. next day, uh, in deep ponderance, and he was thinking about saltines and Cheez-Its, and he was just like, alright, so, saltines are visually hypnotic, but they don't taste good, Cheez-Its, uh, taste good, but are not visually hypnotic, and then he has an idea, he goes to the marketing firm with the Cheez-It client, has a meeting with the boss there, and Bruce is in the room too. And Bruce says, Lenny, what are you doing here? And then Lenny said, Shape the Cheez-Its like saltines. And then Bruce said, what? And then Lenny said, that's right. If you shape the saltines, if you shape the Cheez-Its like saltines, people will be obsessed with them because they'll taste good and they'll be hypnotic. And then Bruce said uh, to his boss, oh, don't listen to him, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. They're not hypnotic or anything. And then Lenny said, no, it's true. You can look it up in old newspapers. You can probably even find it on Google or whatever. So the boss entertained the idea. He was talking to Lenny more about possibilities on how to market, market this new cheese its shape. And then after that meeting, Bruce pulls Lenny aside, and he says to Lenny, do you know what you've done? And Lenny said, what do you mean? I just uh, made the cheese that's much more sellable. But then Bruce
Bruce said, yeah, but Cheez-Its are already fucking delicious. If you make them hypnotic so pe more people get them, it'll be a huge mess. People eating the Cheez-Its will become rabid with world cheese peace. obsessions. World peace, said Lenny. It'll be world peace, of course, because everyone will have their Cheez-Its. Never said no. That's, that's not how it's gonna go. I've known about the hypnotism of saltines all along. If you market it a certain way, you can have people buy them. But Cheez-Its are already fine on their own. They don't need to be more appealing. And they're bite-sized, and you can eat them really quick, and it's really cool. You can have multiple ones at once. If you shave them like saltines, it'll be chaos. So then, uh, a year passes. The Cheez-It Company is working on their marketing campaign and their redesign of Cheez-Its. And then Lenny's at the first grocery store where the Cheez-Its would be unveiled. They had a ribbon-cutting ceremony, you know, and all that. It was a grocery store. They didn't have a lot going on besides a ribbon-cutting ceremony for a new redesign of crackers, but, you know, you know, it's nice to be festive about things, especially with something like Cheez-Its. And they were all very surprised at the crowd that arrived at the grocery store at like 7 a.m. when the store opened. It's just like, yeah, a lot of people are here. It's just like, yeah, like, thousands of people are here. It's like, thousands? That's right. All here for the Cheez-Its. So when the owner of the grocery store cut the ribbon, the grocery store is flooded with people all going after the Cheez-Its. shelves, tore the boxes open, and just ate them out of the bag with the plastic. Some people not even opening the box, just eating them whole. Eventually an hour passes, and the entire cheese aisle of the grocery store was devoured. He said, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, so many goddamn people went after the Cheez-Its. And Bruce was there, too, also at the opening ceremony, because Cheez-Its were his client. He said, no, this is only the beginning. And then he said, well, what do you mean? You know, they're going to open these Cheez-Its in stores all around the country and world. And the Cheez-It company is going to keep manufacturing Cheez-Its in this way. Apocalypse. Everyone's swarming for cheese. Cheese will be outdated, you know? And several years pass, you know? And Bruce's uh, premonition was foretold. Every county in the country and world had its own cheese at factory quick distribution, and all anyone needed was Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its for breakfast, Cheez-Its for lunch, Cheez-Its for dinner. And then 
populated this new world full of Cheez-Its and whatnot. And he too was also devouring all these saltine-shaped Cheez-Its that have redefined the structures of the world. And then one day he was eating Cheez-Its and he silently thought to himself, I could go for some saltines. Well, you, you know what? He hasn't he had the, he hasn't had saltines in a while, and he was just like, oh, I could go for some. I've been eating Cheez-Its a lot. I guess I could switch it up to saltines, but he couldn't because this was a Cheez-It-based reality, you know? Oh, my God. Aliens will come to this world and be all like, ah, oh, so many goddamn Cheez-Its everywhere. When they go home, mm -hmm. they'll go away. Saltines go home and go away? The universe. What? Like, saltines and you'll be trusted. That's the real conspiracy. Mm. I, I, I eat saltines sometimes. Yeah, I'm watching you. Okay. All right. <laughs> I have them with ramen. I kind of, you know, those the the scenarios of eating <laughs> saltines uh, were from experience, you know, using those little cheese sandwiches <coughs> and all that. It's pretty cool. No, it's not. not. It's not It's not for everyone, you know. If you're in the mood for it, and it could be used as a noodle utensil. I wouldn't you know? be telling the public this. Yeah, I wouldn't be telling the cheese, the cheese, but in premium saltines versus cheese, it's the cheese. It's one, it's you know. There's no such thing as premium saltines. They're they're not premium. But they're not anything. Premium saltines. They have to use the word premium to like they think appeal they to. Suck the nutrients out of you. I think by like a nutrient spot. You can fill your mouth, go dry, and then you feel like the vitamins leaving your bones. <clears throat> so. I have a lot to contemplate about well, saltines. Your relationship is pretty stable, but every time I see you eat the box, I just kind of question it. <laughs> well, I think I I think they're cool. <laughs> you know what I thought was a fair fight? It was a mark two marketers kind of go, representing different snack-based crackers, but then uh, Lenny discovered some secrets, used those to uh, for to get get a cheese a job, and then chaos ensued. Maybe. I mean, you know, if everyone's eating cheeses all the time, no one has any time to start a war, you know? Do I get to have another cheese? Yes, you do. Alright. So, when my wisdom teeth is pulled out, it gets a lot of uh, strain on my mouth uh, for doing spook show and whatnot. So I said this episode would be better, uh, would be special, but I'm having a hard time, like, doing spooking, so... Okay. If only there is a political dissident who's been speaking out against U.S. foreign policy and affairs for half a century to take over. Uh, let me know. 
I'm gonna try to speak as loudly as I can. In fact, I will readjust this mic. No. Baker once said that playing the trumpet was like a phone call with God. He said this in a 1972 interview. Jonathan uh, Banks 
listened to that interview as a child. And as a child, he loved going to Toys R Us. And he said, one day, I'm going to open my own Toys R Us. But uh, I'm going to do it for jazz. So in the ripe year of 1995, Jonathan Banks opened Jazz R Us. Jazz Standards R Us. Jazz R Us. Called a jazzerus, but that was a uh, there was a copyright uh, infringement due to a uh, jazzercise studio called Jazzerus, so we had to change it to uh, Jazz Standards or Us. But uh, thank God it was just as catchy. So we started Jazz Standards or Us in 1995. Uh, had a steady uh, stream of business. You know, a lot of musicians were in Seattle at the time. Uh, they definitely brought it to a prominent regional business. They had several locations uh, in and around Seattle. Uh, one in Seattle, one in Olympia, one in Tacoma. Eventually they uh, unleashed their sprawl uh, upon the U.S. as the decades went on. Starting off on more Pacific Northwest locations in prominent cities, then further down the West Coast in California, and then New York and in the East Coast. And eventually, uh, had the prominence that you would think of uh, Guitar Center or Cabela's today. Uh, there's a lot of uh, discrepancies on how was, how jazz standards jazz standards or us or, or was run. Uh, Jonathan Banks uh, passed away in 2007. Uh, his three children. Wanted the rights to the store. They fought long and hard for it. Uh, eventually, it was uh, passed on to uh, Ashley Banks. She became the proprietor as a uh, jazz standards for us. They would uh, they send uh, you know they sold sheet music, they sold instruments. Uh, Jazz fell from proper uh, from popularity as the 21st century came on. Uh, they started to sell more rock and pop-based things, and, uh, you know, spreading to different genres uh, such as uh, rock and roll and uh, electronic DJs, uh, hip hop, uh, and general pop music. They had a lot of pop song book song books. Uh, that was their largest uh, selling project. Not quite the jazz standards that uh, Jonathan Banks envisioned. No. I need to have a sip of uh, water. You know, this global crisis, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so if you uh, look at a uh, look at jazz standards or us today. You'll see it as just like another music store, again, to the size of a uh, guitar center or even Cabela's or something like that. Cabela's doesn't sell any uh, music or instruments, except there was a short, brief period of time when uh, the singer of uh, Poison, I uh, don't recall his name at the time, uh, he did a marketing campaign. We, uh, he did a marketing campaign when he was. Uh, 
he appeared at Cabela's to do a signing. He signed guitars as well. And, uh, the guy who, uh, wrote Cat Scratch Fever also did that. Uh, my area is Ted Nugent. Uh, yeah, he did a... So when Ted Nugent would, uh, make appearances at Cabela's, he'd also sell his guitars as well. And that was the only brief instance where Cabela's ever sold any musical instruments uh, for the sake of promoting uh, people that would make appearances at their store if they uh, were mu musicians. And Ted Nugent had a lot of controversies of his own, just being a stupid asshole, you know. I mean, is even that good a guitar? I don't know. Who knows? his work uh, in depth. Uh, I only know fleeting things about him. Uh, I really don't even know enough to uh, insult him or make fun of him or anything like that. Of all the things I can speak at length about, uh, Ten Nugent is not one of those things. Uh, I am not a horror story uh, composer or uh, writer. I'm a political dissident and linguist. If you have questions about uh, current events, you can call me at Arizona University. So jazz standards are us. Uh, now, uh, ever since Ashley uh, owned the store, she would always their headquarters was uh, in Seattle uh, at their first location where it was first founded. She'd always say that she would see the ghost of um, Jonathan Banks haunting the halls, uh, playing uh, the ten bit ten, uh, the he'd be playing the ch <coughs> he'd uh, always be playing the uh, the ghost of Jonathan Banks would always be playing the Chet Baker version of Autumn New York. Now Ashley would always. Uh, Claim to see his ghost uh, wandering at night. And uh, when she would rec recall this story to other people, whether they were uh, employees or other executives in the company, or a family that uh, knew Jonathan intimately, or family friends, etc., they'd always say, uh, You know, if you see this Jonathan Banks ghost uh, playing Autumn in New York on the trumpet, how would you know that's. Chet Baker version, and then Ashley just would look at them and say, uh, I know my jazz standards. But even some employees at this initial Seattle location would claim to see uh, apparitions in the corner of their eye, or perhaps uh, hearing uh, ambient trumpet uh, around the store.
at this uh, jazz standards arrest store because uh, despite having its uh, notoriety and uh, having the best selection of uh, jazz-based music needs uh, in the country, uh, there are some exceptions. Uh, there's an institute in Berlin that also specializes in jazz. As far as the uh, west of the Mississippi goes, uh, jazz standards are us was the bee's knees. music uh, for Jazz Standards or Us and a grab-by-the-bootstraps kind of ambition uh, this young Jimmy had. But in the meantime, you know, he uh, worked as a clerk, selling guitars, selling basses, uh, saxophones, trumpets. And one day, uh, she would always pop by the storefront and she was getting her uh, trumpet refinished and uh, Jazz Standards or Us uh, supplied that uh, service. And then Jimmy with a soft J uh, sees the trumpet and he says, uh, you know, Chet Baker once said that uh, a trumpet is a phone call with God. And then Ashley said, oh, you've heard that interview? And then Jimmy said, yeah, I've not only heard that interview, but I've also listened to a number of Studs Terkel's uh, interviews. Uh, I just like old radio interviews, you know. I actually work at a community radio station also, and Ashley said, yeah, 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 that's great. Um, say, how about, um, are you into ghost hunting at all? And uh, Jimmy said, uh, that's pretty, pretty, uh, an abrupt thing to ask me, someone, a new employee from an executive like yourself, working at this country, with this company. And then Ashley said, well, there's a ghost here. It's a ghost of my father. And he keeps playing Chet Baker on a trumpet. If you want to come with me with some ghost hunters, we can try to release my father's soul from the store that he loves so much. If you know Chet Baker, then perhaps you can help us in this endeavor. Now, Jimmy knew about the history of Jazz Standards or us, but he wouldn't have dreamed uh, that he could have uh, had a role in saving the soul of the founder, so he was uh, all in on this endeavor. So that evening, uh, a week afterwards, they meet there at night, it's uh, Ashley three people who claimed to be uh, ghost hunters, and with them they had like a fancy uh, little voice box, uh, 
that was intended to translate uh, white noise to words and other sounds. And actually, he didn't really believe in the technology of this device. Uh, and she said, oh, you know, we don't really uh, need that. Uh, my dad just plays a lot of trumpet. And then they uh, said, yeah, well, it's good to have him just in case to uh, detect any of the ectoplasm. actually didn't know is that the, this device, uh, this tradition goes back as far as uh, 1953 uh, being used uh, to translate white noise, but it's also set to a randomizer as well as a database of languages and whatnot. And with every updated model, adds uh, more trickery to it. So it was essentially uh, the device they had with them was a farce in terms of uh, transferring uh, white noise to language. But Ashley or Chet didn't think too much into it. Ashley just wanted to free her father's soul. And then. And Jimmy just wanted to encounter the uh, force that started the Enterprise as Jazz Standards or us. translations. So they turn it on and it has a lot of cool uh, EDM lights, uh, which doesn't really apply to ghost hunting. So they try to use it and uh, has just a lot of uh, stray words and sounds coming out of it. trying to say, they all pondered. Oh no, with the piano, maybe he's trying to communicate with us. Or maybe he's just trying to be spooky, who knows. Well, if he's playing piano this time, maybe he's trying to reach out and not just play the trumpet. 
ghost hunters uh, play their white noise machine and then really loudly it just says run and then the ghost hunters are just like oh we gotta get out of here and then Ashley says no we gotta find out what my father wants and they don't care they just listen to their little uh, voice box machine it's not really vetted for uh, accuracy and uh, gauging the needs and wants of ectoplasm So they run out of the store, and it's just Ashley and Jimmy with a soft J in the store. So then Jimmy said, oh, I got an idea. So as quickly as he can, he uh, gets pieces of a four, of a drum set, tries to get like a four-piece drum set together. It's a little bit sloppy, not to a standard. starts to uh, brush on the drums and all that, and then uh, Ashley figures it out, uh, that, uh, Jonathan doesn't want to haunt anyone or spook anyone, he just uh, wants an ensemble, so Ashley says yes, of course. the trumpet into where Jimmy is uh, setting up the drum set and she's playing a stand-up bass and they try to play with the uh, jazz sounds uh, that become more apparent the trumpet gets more vivid the longer they play beautiful music and right when he understood that the uh, sounds of the trumpet uh, dissipated into the air and then Ashley and Jimmy with a soft J just uh, listen to the sounds of the trumpet go <laughs> these cats are really they're really at it tonight Good, yeah, yeah. A lot more difficult speaking in the Chomsky voice uh, for long periods of time. I was impressed. I was, uh, yeah, I was too. Also a little hard. You know how you feel about political dissidents. Yeah, but this was a this was a jazz based story. Oh yeah. However, if it was a political based story that was pulled from the hat, it would have uh, would have gotten really uh, interesting real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just the layers and foundations of, you know, studied, up, observed uh, information, all that jazz. No pun intended. I had the thought uh, to call out uh, as the story was beginning. Tell us how Toys R Us relates to socialism. Oh my gosh. Which, That's mm-hmm. what I thought of all the time as a child going to Toys R Us. I was always like, this just seems socialist to me. That I can just try out all these toys and no one's going to arrest me. I thought, I mean, I, I like Toys R Us, you know. It was so beautiful. Leave me enough to buy anything. I love just walking toward, uh, Toys R Us when I was a child. It was great. Yeah. Now they're no more. Well, one intention for, uh, 
having Chomsky do that story was to try to include his ways of thinking onto the story, which some of that was in it with the history of jazz standards or us, maybe. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm good for one more story, maybe two, but, um, I wasn't... Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, they, they've been, I guess they've also been longer as well. A little bit longer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can do one more story, but my wisdom tooth is still hurting, you know? So someone else is going to have to, you know, take my place in it. No! Yeah. If only there was, like, another musician who can, like, chip in, you know? You're a terrible person. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> yes! Fuck you! Ah, this is... Johnny Raz from Razmataz. Hate that band. My tour from uh for being in England and parts of France has been cancelled. In the meantime, until after this pandemic and these protests die down a bit, but I'm here for spooks though. I don't usually do uh house shows or podcasts, but uh totally down for it. This one is called Potato Voice. Creepazoid, you know. We've done a lot of show with, shows with them in various uh, bars and clubs. And also uh, moving onward to uh, other larger venues, like some uh, shared spots at theaters and all that. And this was, uh... This was after playing a show with Creepazoid uh, at the Rock Club or rock and jazz club uh, called uh, Boob Nasty. Yes, Boob Nasty is the <laughs> venue. The band I was with was... Boob Nasty? Boob Nasty. Okay. So that is the... I didn't name the club. Like what? Boob with a G. B-O-O-G. Oh, sorry. Nasty. I heard you wrong. That also has a G in front of it. Boog. Boog. Nasty. Boog nasty. 
But the word nasty also has a G in front of it, so they're really like, and they had like a, they had like two like large G's at the end of the first word and the beginning of the second word. No. I'll show you where the club is sometime. I'll show you on Google Maps and it's a thing and we can check it out together and everything reopens and it's not deadly. So I was playing with Creepazoid and uh, at, at Boog Nasty. So after the show, we were just like having drinks and whatnot, you know. We had our vans parked outside the venue and we were just like chatting and stuff, shooting the shit, catching up. Probably got more inebriated than I should have. So the basis of uh, Creepazoid, named Donnie, he also does some vocals for the band. He's just like, hey, Raz, you want to see something cool? And I'm just like, I always want to see something cool. Yeah, sure. So he takes me to like the back of the van. I didn't know what he was going to show me, you know. It could, any, could be anything between like, you know, like some, some sort of uh, intoxicant or like baseball cards, you know. Whatever sort of obsession took with you on the road, you know, I guess. So then we go into his van, and, uh, he has, like, it's very, this, uh, crumpled up very large tube sock. He unrolls it, and then he pulls something out of it. And it's a potato. And it's, I'm just like, oh, okay, potatoes are cool. It's already starting to, like, sprout a little bit, you know. Guess he had it for a while. And then, uh, you know, Donnie's just like, oh, isn't it cool, isn't it? And I'm just like, Donnie, it's a, it's a cool potato, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yes, it's a very cool potato. Very badass and cool. Should be in a museum. And he's just like, no, but listen to it. sounds and he's just like yeah yeah listen listen <laughs> and I'm just like put my ear to it and he says no put your ear, ear closer and I'm still listening for a bit and I'm just like dude is this John John the Baptist head I don't fucking hear anything and he's just like no no you gotta listen to it man and I'm just like alright my ear's still at it waiting a little bit uh, for something to happen or if being spooked out or something or something you know, if it's like one of those like fake out computer things when it's just like, oh, look at this fine real estate living room. And then you stare at it for a minute and it's just like, oh, look for a missing thing in it. And then you stare at it and like a spooky uh, uh, image of like a zombie pops up. Scared the hell out of me as a sixth grader, but this is a different scenario. So I'm listening to it, not hearing anything. And suddenly I feel like a nip at like my earbud. And like my inner ear, and I'm just like, whoa, whoa. And I was, he was just like, oh yeah, cool, right? And I'm just like, what, what the hell is that? And he was just like, no, but didn't you hear it though? And I was just like, no, it just some something like pinched me in the inner ear, like felt like my eardrum popped, but like it kind of didn't. And he was just like, oh no, that wasn't what I was talking about, you know. Oh, shoot. Alright, I'm sorry, man. I guess I'm just hearing things, you know? 
house. It's like, it's okay, it's okay, Donnie. But, um, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. But it was, it was definitely a while after that, uh, since I put my ear to, like, a vegetable fruit product. Uh, I also want to hear the screams of plants that, uh, aren't having enough to drink, which I, the human ear can't hear, but I've met some people who are like, I could swear, I swear I can hear it, and I'm just like, okay, you know. If humans did hear it, I think that'd drastically change the way how people treated plants. That's my two cents, you know. So anyway, there was another day uh, that following week. Rasmataz was doing a show. It was just a bar show in the Florida room. And you know, we're doing, we're just doing a, like a pretty short set. guitar but I'm seeing like three threat three fretboards at the same time and I'm just like oh, I don't know which note to play there's so many fretboards but I was multiple fret fretboards because my uh, vision was uh, being distorted but uh yeah by my standard it was a pretty shitty show ultimately so you know afterwards I was just like having a drink just didn't want to think about it and just kind of you know put my energy in how putting on the next show uh Having that being good, so I think if you have a bad show, you should get to the next show as quickly as possible so you're not too down on yourself as a performer, etc., you know. But in the meantime, I was just, like, uh, sipping on some gin. And I was just, you know, sitting and whatnot, just contemplating life and all that jazz. Thinking maybe I'll uh, run by a Jazz Sanders or us, maybe pick up a songbook or something just to refresh myself, maybe a book of chords to keep me on my toes. But then this dude next to me is having a burger and fries. And then I just hear in a very, like, meek voice, don't eat me. And I'm just like, what the hell is that? And then I hear a scream and then, ah, and I was just like, that's weird. And then again, I hear it, oh shit, don't eat me. And I'm just like, what the hell is that? And then I hear the second voice again. It's just like, no. And I was just like, it's fucking weird. So I look at the dude eating the burger and fries. And I see that the sound is coming from his bucket of fries. And when he picks up a fry, I hear a sound from the fry that says, don't eat me. And then when he takes a bite out of the fry, it screams and the scream disappears because it's in his mouth and it's going down his gullet. So I'm just like, can I communicate with potatoes now? Um, I guess that's cool, but like, is that useful? Can we bridge an alliance between humans and potatoes to, you know, to bridge the bridge the gap between uh, humans and vegetables and animal life as well? You know, provide a better future for uh, the rest of humankind and for going to space and stuff. So when the aliens come, it's just like, see, we're not assholes. We're getting along with our plants and stuff. I don't know. At the time, I was just like, uh, I gotta... I don't know if I want to talk to potatoes. I don't want that responsibility, you know. 
never saw myself as a potato spokesperson, you know. There's a lot of responsibility in that. So eventually I, uh, I call, uh, Donnie from, uh, Creepazoid, and I'm just like, hey, Donnie, so, um, so, like, when I, when you show me that potato, um, I don't know, I think it, like, infected my ear or whatever, and I can, like, hear potatoes now, you know? You know, like, I tried to have a baked potato, and it was just, like, screaming in the microwave, that was, that made me feel bad, you know? So it's just like, yeah, you gotta, I don't know, what, what was, what was the deal with that potato? That's what I was getting at. And he was just like, oh, so you have the gift now. And I was just like, the gift? And he was like, yeah, you have the same gift I do. The potato has blessed you. Now you too can chat with potatoes. It's just like, I don't know if I want to have this, uh, grand esoteric ability, you know? I mean, potatoes are cool and all. I'm sure they have a lot of wisdom to bestow upon humans. But I've already dedicated my life to music and art. I don't think I have enough room in my docket for, you know, bridging the gap between humans and potatoes. <laughs> And I was like, wait, where did that come from? Then I saw there was a potato in my fridge. And there was a potato in there, in there that said potato whisperer, potato whisperer. And I was just like... So I closed the fridge again and tried to... And I'm just like, fuck, I'm like surrounded by potatoes. I can't have a moment's peace because you never know when a potato is around. And then Donnie's just like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, nothing. Look, I... I don't want to talk to potatoes. I don't want. I don't want to talk to potatoes anymore. Do you? Can you? Can we undo it? Is that a thing that can happen, or am I just doomed to have this profound gift, or what? And he was just like, well, since you do have the gift, now you can hear what that potato was saying. You know, from earlier, from when we did that show. You know, a week back, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I know. That's why I'm calling you because this happened after that. He was just like, alright, just come by my place. I just live across town. Probably a 20 minute drive from where you're at. Just, you know, come by, we'll hang out, have drinks, and I'll explain more potato-based things. And I was like, okay. So I go to his house, you know. He lets me in, uh, he gives, he, uh, everything have potatoes? And he's just like, well, kind of. It's like, that's not like corn, but like, you can find potatoes in a lot of things. I look in his fridge, and I'm just like, god damn, you have like no food in here. And he's just like, yeah, I gotta, you know, I don't, I don't want potatoes and stuff. He says, I, and I was saying that he had too much respect for potatoes to eat them. And I was just like, well, if I could hear them all the time, yeah, I guess that makes sense, you know. But anyway, what's the deal with the potato that you showed me? With the sprouts, the one that nipped my ear? He was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll pull it out. So, he goes into his room, and I sip some uh, beer that he gave me. He's still in his room, so I have more beer. 
he comes out with the uh, the rolled up t- tube sock. So then he unrolls it, brings out the potato that has even stronger sprouts now. And he's just like, yeah, listen to it. And I was just like, okay, let's, uh, let's go. So we both put our ears toward it. Toward it. Potato says, soon our plan to attack shall commence shortly. And then the potato goes on about all of its plans, all the alliances it has with humans around the world, with other planets, you know. Really having really big dreams about a human takeover essentially, you know. Donnie, what the fuck is this? And he's just like, what? And I was just like, this fucking potato's trying to, like, take over the Earth. And he's just like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's still cool. And I was just like, why is that cool? And he's just like, well, it's like a talking potato. Like, that's kind of nuts, though, right? I mean, like, I don't know. What's the potato gonna do? And I was just like, dude, he has, like, alliances and shit. And it's like, I just, I don't want to deal with this uh, potato politics, you know? And he's just like, well, you know, he's talking about, like, other vegetables and animals and, like, fruit and stuff. And he's just like, yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of, uh, life forms on Earth are trying to take over. But the humans just are the ones that, like, kind of succeeded a little bit. So they're just trying to, like, knock the humans off their throne, you know? And I was just like, dude, I didn't, uh, I don't know if I want to deal with, uh, potatoes, you know? He's just like, alright, alright, maybe talk to the potato, and maybe he'll try to, like, relinquish your ability to speak to potatoes or something, I don't know. So then I, uh, you know, he presents the potato on the table, like it's, you know, and I'm just like, okay, potato, I don't wanna, whatever you gave me so that I could communicate with you, uh, I no longer want that ability, so if you can take that away from me, uh, I think that will be uh, peachy keen. But the potato's still going on about, you know, different star systems and traveling the galaxy and stuff. And also just like some uh, subterranean creatures bellowing uh, beneath the earth that it's been chatting to because potatoes grow from the ground, so they have insight to that. I said to Donnie, just like, Donnie, you know, I'm trying to reason with potato- this potato, but, uh, he's not really, uh, hearing me. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, you know, you know what it is? You know what it is? What I just realized? We can hear potatoes, but potatoes can't hear us. And I was just like, well, that's kind of bullshit, you know? I mean, like, it's all about communication, right? You know, if they can hear- we can hear them, but they can't hear us. And he was just like, no, but that's the advantage, though. See, we have the upper end on the potatoes. And I was just like, I don't want to... I don't want to deal with potatoes, like, for a while. I just don't want to, you know, hear their voices and stuff. And he's just like, alright. Well, I guess I don't really know what to do about it. And I was just like, well... Okay. So eventually I just kind of learned how to ignore them. 
I, I don't know. I mean, I don't... Look, that's... Follow the story. Yeah, I mean, that story doesn't have a lot of closure, but just, like, not all, all problems... Don't not all problems have solutions, you know? I don't really, uh... They don't have all those closure either, because they have all those eyes and no eyelids. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah that's, fucking that's probably uncomfortable, you know? It's really uncomfortable, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Was, well, I didn't. I got. I, I keep hearing I potatoes I nonstop. You know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's bonkers. You know. I don't oh, know. Bonkers. Yes. It's potato voices. Yes. Yeah. It's... I had a student today mm -hmm. who said they felt hungover, but they hadn't done anything other than just not drink or smoke or anything. Just went to bed on time, and they woke up feeling awful. And they said to me. I'm going to have a potato voice. I'm going to have a voice like a potato. I know. I was like, what is that even? <laughs> I didn't mm. question it, but I, I also just instantly knew what they were talking about. I mean, it's got, there's, potato voice. I mean, like for, I don't know if people still do this, but for a while, uh, when people would refer to like, you know, like low computer power, people would say like, oh, it has the power of a potato, you know? That was that, that, that used to be a way to describe like yeah. weak uh, computer usage. Yeah. So I guess that still lingers as just like a low quality thing. But if you if you if you look up the you know uh, the potato well, potato clocks. But like potatoes like matter, you know. So you feed a lot of people, you know. Okay, you know what? You didn't need to go there. You didn't need to yell. Listen, I'm I'm listen I'm listen <laughs> I'm listening to these potatoes, <laughs> man. I don't really think that's the point. Oh. I don't really think we need to create that be a slogan. I'm not making it a slogan. Slogan. Potatoes lives matter. Damn right you're not making I'm, it. I'm. I'm not. I am not. You're a terrible person, Raz. <laughs> terrible. Did you go back to France? Huh? I feel because it was stranded there. You know. Yeah, you like to eat that thing. Oh. <laughs> That's Quarantine Spook Show. Good night.